Okay, well, let's get right into the Word of God this morning. We are headed to Ephesians chapter 2, and I hope you had a nice Christmas. Uh, we had a very nice time with my parents here uh, until last Monday, and then uh, almost all of our kids, Dawson and Faith, couldn't come from Texas. They're getting ready to move to Alabama, uh, but everybody else was here. And we uh, had a wonderful time with each other. And, of course, my kids enjoy pranking the old guy for Christmas. Uh, a couple of years ago, Autumn got me some custom-made socks that I wore today uh, with my least favorite dog imprinted on the socks. And uh, so she thought that was just hilarious. And one of our ladies for Christmas got me these flashy Las Vegas Crocs. I had to wear those today. Uh, and my wife got me this thing. She calls it a shacket. I, I told her that cannot be a real thing. But I've asked a couple people, and they said that's a thing. Have you guys ever heard of shacket? It's a shirt and a jacket combined. And the only reason why it's called a shacket is because it's got pockets right here. Right? Uh, but uh, Cody and Michaela joined in the pranking fund this year. And they got a special shirt for the old guy who is also a pastor. And so because of the Christmas bargain, I am forced today to wear this shirt for church. It's a disgrace to humanity that I have to do this. Today, I am the seminator. <clears throat> All right, not the Terminator, but the Sermonator. And uh, so that's what's happening in church on the first day of the year. And the people who are not here today, they're missing all the fun. Uh, I'm glad you're starting the year off right. It, it's such a great opportunity to begin in church together. And in 2023, we, we won't be introducing any new ideas uh, just the same tried and true principles of God's Word. And we're not going to preach any self-help material or any ear-tickling encouragement. Each week we're going to stand and open the Holy Bible so that we can hear directly from God. And if there's one thing we know starting uh, in 2023, it's that men's plans are not working. Uh, there is corruption and despair everywhere we look. But God's plans are revealed for us in His Word. And I love that we sang this morning that, that God is not finished. He's still working. Uh, the issue isn't whether or not you, uh, you like what the Bible says. The issue is whether or not the Bible is true. And if Jesus rose from the dead, then the Bible is true. And Jesus indeed rose from the dead. And we have the privilege to open this book to receive God's plans for our lives. Uh, his plans are always good, but it requires humility and submission to follow them. And uh, that's the actual reason why most people aren't open to hearing what God has to say. They don't like being called out for their deceitful hearts and wicked devices. But here you are on January 1st, ready to receive God's word. Uh, what an awesome start to the year. But you know, receiving God's Word isn't just something we do when we're gathered together 
in church. We need to get into God's Word every single day to hear what He has to say, but more importantly, to do what He has to say. You could hear a message every day of the year, but if you don't apply the truths to your life, then it's all a waste. And on this first day of the year, uh, I encourage you, if you haven't done this yet, to establish a battle plan uh, for getting with God every day, Bible reading and prayer. And if you haven't noticed, let me assure you that we are in a spiritual battle. We need the whole armor of God like never before. And there are all sorts of Bible reading plans to choose from, uh, whether it's on an app like YouVersion or on a website like the Gospel Coalition, uh, some, some have on pieces of paper that you can print out. But you know, having a plan is the place to start. And I was reading the stats on this the other day. If you read the Bible, uh, or even have the Bible read out loud to you, for about five minutes a day, the average person can read the entire Bible in three years. If you read for about 10 minutes a day, it drops down to two years. And if you'll invest 15 minutes a day in reading the Bible, you can read through the Bible this year. And many Christians, believe it or not, have never read the entire Bible. And let me challenge you to read God's Word for yourself. It's the only way to truly grow as a Christian. You know, if you only eat one meal a week, you're not going to be a very healthy person this year, right? And if you only hear God's word at church on Sunday, you are not going to be a healthy Christian. And for our first series of the year, we're going to this book, uh, such a treasured book in the New Testament, Ephesians, and we'll begin in chapter 2 there in Ephesians. And if you haven't turned there yet, I hope you'll make your way that direction. As you turn there, let me remind you that our Wednesday ministry schedule uh, resumes back to normal this week with Awana next door, uh, youth group out in the modular beside the gymnasium, and we have adult Bible study group that meets right here in the auditorium, and those are all at 645. And in two weeks, we have our first next step classes of, the, of this new year, uh, so make sure you sign up for those. Class 101 is, is the first class. It's called Discovering the Centennial. And I believe we're also offering class 301 uh, on that evening. Let's read now in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse number 19. Now, therefore, ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of God, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord, in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Through Christ we have been given the firm foundation that we need to live as part of God's family. And through these five Sundays in January, we're going to focus on the firm foundation that we've been given. And we're going to work our way through this passage, uh, word by word, phrase by phrase. And we start this uh, morning here in verse number 19, talking about the household of God. You know, our identity as children of God 
is by far the most important identity component that we have. And there are so many components to identity. Progressive culture keeps trying to add more and more labels all the time. Uh, For a Christian, there are basically three options on the source of identity. Uh, You could get your identity, number one, from external sources, from what other people tell you that you are. This is sometimes called conformity, uh, where you conform to what your parents say, or your peers say, or your school says, or your your community says. Uh, Your community ends up providing identity for you. Uh, Or you could get your identity from an internal source, where you tell yourself who you are. And that's kind of the modern mantra, the modern generation. This is often called nonconformity. Ain't nobody going to tell me who I am. I'm the boss of me. Right? Now, both of those options have some huge pitfalls attached to them. And uh, we see in this modern generation that in this race to nonconformity, that we find people conforming to nonconformity. Right? So, so there's just traps and pitfalls uh, everywhere you look. Door number three for the believer is the way to go. Receive Jesus as your Savior and allow the indwelling Holy Spirit to constantly bear witness that you are a child of God. And in that God-given identity, there are three word pictures that are often used in the New Testament. And they're all three actually used here in Ephesians 2. One deals with citizenship, making you a part of a country or a city. Uh, One deals with family. And the third one is the picture of a building with Jesus as the firm foundation. Now this week in verse number 19, we're going to talk about those first two word pictures, uh, the city or government and the family. And so here in Ephesians 2.19, let's uh, go into this first section. The notes are provided in your bulletin. They're also on the version app. Let's talk about this, no more strangers. No more strangers. That's the phrase used here in verse number 19. Now, therefore, you're no more strangers. The Apostle Paul is speaking of being part of a different country, uh, being a citizen of a different nation. And he's already presented this idea uh, of being what he called aliens from the commonwealth of Israel in verses 11 through 13. So look back up there, and let's get some context on why he's using this phrase, you are no more strangers. So verse number 11, wherefore remember that ye being in time past Gentiles in the flesh, who are called uncircumcision, by that which is called the circumcision in the flesh made by hands, that at that time ye were without Christ, being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of Christ. And Paul is speaking here to people in Ephesus. Now, Ephesus was not in Israel. Ephesus was a city in the Greek empire. And it's located in modern-day Turkey. The Ephesians were considered to be Gentiles or non-Jews. 
And, and so they were born without the scriptures in their land. They were born without the covenants that spoke of redemption and, and a hope of the Messiah to save them from sins. They were strangers. Uh, if you're an American traveling abroad, there are different stages uh, of how much you feel like a stranger. Uh, for instance, if you travel to Canada, you have uh, the same language. You've got many of the same stores. Uh, you've got similar currency, similar culture. It doesn't feel that strange except for all the people saying, hey, hey, right? It's just, you know, they talk a little bit differently, but Canada's not that big of a deal. Uh, if you travel to England or Ireland, it's a little more strange you eat blood sausage for breakfast, and it's kind of gross, but it's still not that crazy. Uh, if you travel to Italy, many people will still speak English to you. You can get the food you like. You could try new cuisine. It's a nice experience, even if things are slightly different from the norm. But if I take you with me next month to, say, Point Noir, Republic of Congo, things will be more strange for you. The language will be foreign to you, mostly a very fast-paced French. Uh, the currency will be hard to understand because, you know, a dollar, one dollar is like 1,100 uh, Congolese francs, and so the exchange rate is just really hard to figure out. Uh, the culture will be different than what you normally experience. The customs will be foreign to you. Uh, but I think most people here would adjust quickly within a couple of days. But if I drop you off in the middle of like Sanyarenkoville in South India, it will be like you are part of a different world. Okay, the Hindu culture in that city is extreme. You may find one restaurant in the whole city that even serves meat. It'll probably be fish. Uh, breakfast will be absolutely different than anything you've ever experienced. Uh, do not expect to find an egg or toast anywhere. Uh, the laws, the history, the language, the currency, everything will be strange to you. No one will be dressed like you. No one will talk like you. Why? Because you're a stranger. It's their land, right? It's their country. It's their norm. It's their culture. And Paul is saying that before we come to Christ, we are without hope. We are far from God. Our mindset is alienated from truth because we are Gentiles when it comes to faith. But then he used this next phrase. He said, you're no more strangers and you're no more foreigners. Okay, now that would seem almost like well, isn't he saying the same thing, right? Isn't a stranger the same thing as a foreigner? Yeah, there's a distinction here in Paul's usage of foreigner versus stranger. While stranger refers to lack of citizenship uh, in a city or country, foreigner refers to those of a different family, okay? You may be in the house but you're only a guest there. You don't really belong. Your identity is not secure. Uh, they might say, make yourself at home, but you still don't feel at home because it's not your house and it's not your family. And the silverware is in the wrong drawer. 
and they do the toilet paper the wrong direction. You don't know where the trash can is. When you get up in the middle of the night, you stub your toe on something. Uh, last year, Amy and I and, and Holland were up in Washington, and we stayed the night at her sister's place one night. And I went out of the room in the dark to get Holland's milk cup from the refrigerator. And when I went in through this little kitchenette in the room we were staying in, I ran directly into this wooden chest that was somehow blocking the door to the refrigerator. I may have yelled a little bit too. What happened? I was a foreigner. I didn't know the layout. I wasn't in on the secrets, right? It wasn't my household. I wasn't there when they planned putting a large wooden chest in front of the refrigerator door, right? Uh, Who would do this? And of course, we told her sister, and she said, maybe we should move that. Do you think, right? Uh, I'm sure that you've had that type of awkward experience before. Uh, If you came to church before you were a believer in Jesus, maybe it felt the same way. You didn't feel like you belonged. You didn't know anybody. The format was strange. You didn't know all the churchy language. It was foreign to you. If you've ever wandered from God and you've gotten out of God's will, and uh, while you were out of God's will, you came to a church service, you know what? It feels like that. Right? You feel like everybody else has changed when you're the one who's changed. My youth pastor, when I was a kid, used to tell this story. <clears throat> he would say, uh, you know, uh, I was sitting my, with my wife in the car, and we got the bench seat on the car, and she said, honey, you remember when we were first married, and we sat close together in the car, and we'd hold hands, and you'd put your arm around me, and... Yeah, we were really, uh, you know, connected, and, and he looked over at her, and he said, well, I'm still behind the steering wheel, right? He hadn't moved. She's the one who moved all the way over by the door, right? And sometimes that's what we do. Uh, we move from God, and we move away from God's family in the way that we live, and then we say that they're the ones who are different, right? Everybody there has changed. But sometimes it's us who has changed. It's this idea of being a foreigner. And that's what Paul's saying to the Ephesians. He said, before you were foreigners, but not anymore, because you've been given the same access as everybody else in the house. You are no more strangers and foreigners. Now, let's look at the third one, fellow citizens. Okay, he says, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but now you're fellow citizens. So during this time period in the first century in Greece, strangers were allowed to temporarily dwell within the boundaries of the city, but they were not allowed to transact any business unless they had a patron to speak for them. They couldn't sell things without a local citizen there to represent them. They couldn't buy property. They couldn't vote in elections. And many of these same citizenship rules still apply in modern times in most nations of the world. Uh, I can't go to India and buy a house. I I can't go to Aruba and open a, a restaurant without a special visa. 
And, and Paul tells them here, you're no longer strangers. Uh, you are fellow citizens with the saints. We all have our citizenship in heaven. And in Christ, this distinction of alien, stranger, has been completely removed for all believing Gentiles and for all believing Jews. The only way to become a citizen of heaven is through Christ. It has nothing to do with where you were born or which family you were born into. Look at verse 16. And that he might reconcile both unto God, both Jews and Gentiles, by the cross, having slain the enmity thereby, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were nigh. For through him we both have access by one spirit unto the Father. The citizenship in heaven is much more important than citizenship in any nation on this earth, even the good old U.S. of A. And yes, you should be an involved citizen of whatever nation you live in. But someday, that nation will no longer exist. And your citizenship in heaven is eternal. Now, how do you receive this citizenship? Go back to verse number 6, same chapter. Uh, he tells us right here, verse 6, And hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. My citizenship is not based upon my merits. It's based upon God's grace through Jesus Christ. And someday, as a citizen of heaven, I'm going to walk on the same streets as David and Daniel and Peter and Paul and William uh, Carey and Adoniram Judson and Mary Slester and Billy Graham, not because of who I am, not because of who they are, but all because of who Jesus is. And our citizenship is not of works, lest any man should boast. And, and so when we're looking at verse number 19, we find out you're no more strangers, you're no more foreigners, but now you're fellow citizens with the saints. And you are of the household of God. Let's look at this last one. We are now of the household of God. And so those who believe aren't guests or servants in the Father's house. Uh, that's what he's talking about here. If you're actually in the household of God, you're not a slave in the house. You're not a servant in the house. You're not a guest in the house. You are a son or daughter of the Most High God. Now just stop and absorb that for a minute. If you have received Jesus as your Savior... You don't just have a God, you have a Father in heaven, and your Father in heaven is the King of kings, and it is in this household of faith that we experience true fellowship with God as our Father, 
with our brothers and sisters to encourage us and strengthen us. We're built on a firm foundation. In chapter 4 of Ephesians, Paul says that we grow up into Christ in all things. Now, where do we grow up in the Christ in all things? Always. In the New Testament, it is in the household of God. There's never anyone in the Bible, in the New Testament, who grows in Christ outside of the household of God. Growth and maturity, corporate worship, fellowship, discipleship, ministry, evangelism, all take place in the household of God. Now, I'm not talking about this building. I'm talking about this body of believers. The household of faith is essential to Christian growth and godly purpose. It's a refuge. It's a shelter. It's the place of retreat. Why? Because it's the household of God. And, and the Father has us in his full embrace. I love the promise in John 10. Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice. And I know them and, and they follow me. And no man is able to pluck them out of my hand. My Father, which is greater than all, he, he's there surrounding me. And no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. Let me tell you this. Uh, if you didn't already know this, you need God in 2023. You need the household of God in 2023. And as Paul says here, now therefore, you're no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. As we close this morning, our, our faith challenge asks an important question. And I, I believe this question may be in your notes. In 2023, Will you experience the privileges of being in God's family? Will you sit at the table of fellowship with your Savior and your brothers and your sisters? Will you join in serving? Uh, I, I love when we get to have people over, and we had uh, the Serenil family over the other night, and we had such a great time, a game night. And Julio and Lynette are leading our Spanish ministry, and been only been here for a few weeks. Uh, but you know, when you're at somebody else's house, you have dinner, you know what you're not expected to do? You're not expected to do the dishes, right? Now, some people still do it. They try to jump in and do that stuff. But when you're a guest, you don't have to do that. But you know what? If you're one of the kids in that household, you get to serve, right? You have the privilege of loading the dishwasher. You have the privilege of unloading the dishwasher. You have the privilege of vacuuming and dusting and doing all the things that are part of the household because you're one of the people who lives there, right? We don't call our neighbors up and say, hey, could you send one of your kids over to mow our lawn? No, we send one of our kids out to mow the lawn. And unfortunately, right now, it's autumn, and she's learning to drive as well. And the way she does the, the lines in the grass just crack me up. Like, she'll go here, and then she goes over there, and then she kind of comes back here. And I'll, I'll call her out, Autumn, 
let's look at the grass together. What happened here? But, but she's learning. Why? Because she lives at our house. She serves in the household. If you are in this household of faith, here's my point. You should be serving in this household of faith, right? You're not just a spectator. You're not just a consumer. You're one of the crew members here. You're one of the people uh, who makes this household work, and every member should be a minister. That's part of God's Word. Jesus did not come to be served. He came to serve, and we serve God by serving others. And, and, and so will you grow together with other believers? Will you shine as a light to a dark world? The household of God is the only place where the purposes of God are accomplished in the New Testament age. So let me ask this morning, are you in the household of God? Have you ever trusted Jesus as your Savior? And are you living like you're part of God's family? Or are you just showing up and acting like you're a guest every week? Right? We don't want you to just be a guest. We want you to be a part of the household. We love guests. But if you've been here for five years, you shouldn't be a guest anymore. You should be part of the household. Are you living like you're in the household of God? Let me pray with you. Father, thank you that we could come in on this first Sunday of the year and be reminded that we are no more foreigners, strangers, that we are citizens with the saints. We're of the household of God. We have been given incredible privileges. Help us to use them this year. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Would you stand? Let's sing that new chorus one more time as we leave this morning. Sing together. Sing, thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your grace. And every time I turned around, you were there to make a way. Oh, oh. thank you, Lord, for your kindness. Thank you, Lord, for your love. And every time I turned around, I could see that you're enough. Thank you, Lord. Let's sing that one more time. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy. Thank you, Lord for your mercy thank you lord for your grace and every time i turned around you were there to make a way yes you were thank you lord for your kindness thank you lord for your love every time i turned around i could see that you're enough thank you Yes, we leave this morning with a thankful and a grateful heart. Hope that you guys have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. You're dismissed.
your home I don't know we eat your meals Or where you talk on the phone I don't know if you got a cook A butler or a maid I don't know if you got a yard With a hammock in the shade I don't know if you got some shelter Say a place to hide I don't know if you live with friends And who you can confide Yeah. <laughs>